0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You tidy up all the nooks and crannies of your body's basement. But this year, Manscaped can help you get the perfect presentation on that beautiful face with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Make sure you look your best this spring by using code BELLY20 to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. So tame your mane with the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. The sun is peeking back out, which means you'll have to show your face in the daylight again. So use the kit to make sure your scruff looks award-winning, whether you have glorious beard flow or some smooth, sleek cheeks. Save 20% off and free shipping with the code BELLY20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BELLY20 at manscaped.com. Focus on the face and use the Beard Hedger Pro Kit for the cleanest look in the game. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things
1: fantasy.
0: Well, hello, 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 and welcome into a Sunday morning special time episode. It feels like we're in season already doing a show at 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning. I can't wait for more of that in just a month away. Oh, so exciting. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe, hit the bell notification, get notified whenever we have new content available to you. And you can also stay up to date with the show when you're on the go by downloading us on your favorite podcast app. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I got my co host, Daniel Dubois, and a special guest that we're going to introduce properly in just a second. Today's episode is going to be the bow tie on our team profile series that we've been doing all offseason long. I've had great guests and won't be any different today. The AFC West, baby, wears a gold mine for fantasy football. Danielle, what do you think?
2: Oh, yes. I am so excited about this. I'm really happy you saved this to the last episode because I feel like it's the best for last, obviously. There's just so much to talk about. I have so many things to say, so I cannot wait.
0: A lot of ADP values we'll be getting into in just a second, but let's properly introduce our guest. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. He's on the bottom half of your screen. The host of Sirius XM Fantasy and FSWA Hall of Famer, Mr. Bob Harris! I feel
1: like we has been bouncing around with, you know, <laughs> getting my gloves tightened. That was awesome. Thank you so much. Good morning. How is everybody?
0: We're great, man. I, I Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. You have been a legend in this industry for forever, so to have you is definitely one of my high points for this show. Appreciate that, man. No. Oh, so yeah, we have a ton to get into just training camps underway. So some, you know, we, <laughs> it's an ever moving cycle. I want to say when it comes to rankings and ADP, I think I've adjusted my rankings. Uh, I don't know, maybe seven times in seven days this week alone. Uh, what about you, Bob? How's that going over for you?
1: It's pretty much a daily occurrence, right? You're tweaking it. And so I always like to warn people, you know, we tend to overreact, you know, you try to look at the entire off season like a continuum of data and you plug little pieces in but it, for some reason the pieces this time of year seem to rise in importance to us and i mean little literally move adp in real time you saw it with the joe burrow injury uh early this week where you know he dropped out i know i was talking to stacy press from fantasy frames and she was in a draft where he fell down below you know lamar jackson and justin fields a point where he had previously not you know go slightly ahead of them so i mean we, at, we react well, let me rephrase that. We overreact in real time, and I think the, the the sharpest managers are the ones who can, you know, take a giant step back, try to put a little perspective on what's happening in the moment. You know, we're sitting out there on Twitter and we're seeing, you know, so and so had a got took the first snap with the first team offense for, you know, and wow, you know, so so these things should not be driving your strategies. The they should be part of it, right? A part of it, but you know, don't overreact in the moment. And that's the to me, that's the biggest goal in the in the entirety of preseason is not overreact. We can all remember the Hall of Fame game last year. We're gonna talk about the Raiders. You know, Josh Jacobs, oh my gosh, he's playing. What does it mean? We're all, you know, we were all determining strategies based on the fact that <clears throat> you know, he maybe he got more work than his teammates at that point. And what does it mean? You know, so uh turn off the lizard brain a little bit and you know, step back, use a little logic. The worst emotions are usually those made or worst decisions are usually those made in the in the in the moment of emotion when something happens or an event occurs. So just dial back a little bit, folks.
0: Yeah, uh, remember, preseason doesn't matter. <laughs> that's, that's number one, typically speaking. And number two, I, I put this out there on social media earlier. You, re- you referenced the Joe Burrow injury, Garrett Wilson injury. This is why you should be having your home leagues in particular late August, maybe even early September. Let it ride out. See who's actually going to be available. Nobody wants to have your draft at the beginning of August, and then some one of these guys goes down and it ruins it completely. We didn't even get to week one. We don't want to see that.
1: Wait no, until no, later.
0: Look, and so, you know, for, for
1: those of you who are out there in the best ball leagues right now, I mean, I've been in there since February and you're, you know, I'm getting into that triple digit drafts and like a lot of those drafts are going to be spoiled. Dalvin Cook's going to ruin a lot of drafts, people. Yeah. It's going to happen, right? And so, you know, as Dan says wait as long as you can, but but don't be afraid to jump in and get, you know, I, I feel like it's kind of part of the process of, for me, is doing a lot of drafts. So when the ones that matter most coming the end of next month, I feel really comfortable and confident. I don't have to sit there and refer to a lot of rankings. I don't have to you know, guess where ADP is. I, I've been steeped in it. I've been living it. So it uh, really helps to make decisions in the moment when things go as not expected for you.
0: Well, and best ball is the best way to prepare for that because that's a whole different animal anyway. And that's the one part where, yes, I don't mind drafting early when it comes to best ball because that's actually where you need to. So you take advantage of some ADPs. So that's a whole different area. Actually, great segue, best ball mock draft this Thursday on the MD's Fantasy Football Show, guys. Uh, Let's move into our content for today. We'll start off with the coaching changes of the AFC (laughs) I feel like we can't bury the lead Sean Peyton in his comments. Bob, what'd you think about that? Oh, it's, a, it's
1: a remarkable moment of uh, honesty there. <laughs> Apparently like, I like, I don't know that anything he said, wasn't what a lot of people are thinking. Certainly not what Broncos fans hadn't already been thinking, right? Uh, worst coaching job in NFL history, et cetera. You know, <laughs> I, it was pretty bad. I mean, we could think back and you can was it really the worst? Well, it was pretty bad. There was, you know, in-game decisions that were poor. Clock management was poor. That ringing, help for that some of the you know the treatment of russell wilson which sean payton apparently not a fan of not going to have his own staff in there and you know maybe he'll have an office still but it probably won't be the same uh, like a complex of offices uh, so <clears throat> makes perfect sense for him to make all these changes it didn't make perfect sense for him to come out and discuss them openly practically unbidden it seemed so uh, so that was interesting but once he did it I wish he wouldn't have walked it back I wish he would have just like went with it and you know not so I'm sorry no I meant it damn it I said, I said what I
0: meant and I meant what I said live with it you're Sean Peyton I don't feel like at this point nobody would expect anything less of you like come on let's be real No one's going to tell you no stick with your guns we don't care you'll be back at TV when you're done your coaching thing again this doesn't matter it's perfect for this us. box Had on too long he says, I don't know that that's what happened <laughs> yeah I think you're just speaking your mind I think that's what happened uh Danielle, help us out here with, with Russell Wilson. That's the question, right? Is Sean Payton gonna save Russell Wilson? What do you think you're gonna you're gonna see here with this Denver Bronco offense?
2: You know, this Denver Bronco offense is very hard to predict. They are they have so many upsides, but also so many downsides at the same time. So it's very hard to see where they're going to be this year. However, Sean Payton coming in, I think, is going to be a huge plus for Russell Wilson. However, I do not think that means that Russell Wilson is going to go back to his normal self that we've seen before when he was at the Seahawks and go back to being a top tier quarterback. I don't think that that is where he's at anymore. I don't think he necessarily has that in him. I think Sean Payton will be great in the system with him. And I think he will work well with Russell Wilson. So I think he'll definitely be better than last season. I just don't think he can go all the way back to how he was a few years ago with the Seahawks. I just don't think that that's plausible.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, Sean Payton first and foremost. He is better than Nathaniel Hackett. His comments are one hundred percent on the money when it comes to that. Uh, he's got a nice balanced approach, which is what Russell Wilson needs. He's not a spread him out quarterback. He's not a throw the ball forty times and be accurate consistently. That's not what he does. He needs play action. He needs a balanced system. That's what Sean Payton brings to the table. His offenses back in New Orleans averaged twenty six points a game, and that's even with an old man Drew Brees and uh, the litany of quarterbacks that he tried to replace him with after he retired. And he has a good, true offensive pace, over 61 plays a game. So this isn't going to be the stagnant offenses from that standpoint that we saw last year with Hackett either. Bob, what do you think of the situation when you look at Sean Payton taking over the Denver Broncos?
1: So I like to draw a parallel. I mean, yes, Sean Payton has way more experience as a head coach than Brian Dable did coming into the Giants. But I think I felt like going into last year, wow, the Giants are going to be better offensively, right? They were more better than I expected. Uh, but, but part of that is because it was such a low bar. So, you know, you look at Denver, they were dead last in points scored last year, 16.9 last in third down percentage at 29%, 21st in total offense, they didn't have any big play. You know, there was no explosive plays. They didn't seem to have the playmakers. There was injuries abounding. So I kind of feel like you could draw the parallel that Sean Payton's going to come in. Joe Lombardi joins him coming over from Los Angeles as offensive coordinator. We'll talk about that in a minute here. Um, but I, I think expecting the Broncos to be better should be the baseline. And, and I guess the question is how much better. And I wonder if we won't be a little bit surprised like I was, certainly with the Giants. I mean, I had high hopes, uh, but but Dable exceeded him. So I think I think a, a good coach who's capable of scheming up and has that experience that Sean Payton and Joe Lombardi have together running offenses, I think it might be a little better than we think. I don't necessarily disagree. I don't think uh, you know I'm expecting the Russell Wilson of old. But I'm expecting a better Russell Wilson and, and, you know, maybe something somebody fantasy managers can invest in as a quarterback, too, and hope for some upside. We saw late in the season, we saw some flashes of of production, you know, and so hopefully, you know, with a receiving core staying healthy, we'll see how that plays out. But but I do have some I I do expect improvement. And I guess I'm hoping uh, I'll be pleasantly surprised like I was with the Giants.
0: Yeah, I think the goal here is is that you don't need to be back to what he was a couple of years ago, but you need to be somewhere in between what we've seen. and I think that's going to be the goal, and we'll get into what our value expectations are going to be for the other Denver Bronco players, if that, in fact, can be the case. Here's one that I think I've been more excited about than any other coaching change in the entire league, and that is Kellen Moore joining the Chargers and what that means for Justin Herbert and this offense. I could not be more excited. Kellen Moore being relinquished, unbinded from the Mike McCarthy of it all. And I think that's going to be great for him. A multiple formation guy likes to throw it around, likes to push the pace. It's a match made in heaven. In my estimation, Bob, what do you think? Uh, I agree with that. I
1: think, you know, look, we're all expecting the passing game to approve. And I think some of his comments would be great, but one of the biggest reasons, biggest things he did in Dallas, some of the the most production came not through the air but on the ground. Yeah, one of the biggest uh, staples of his offense was rushing. Uh, Dallas ranked seventh overall with eight thousand three hundred fifty eight rushing yards. were ninth with seventy one rushing touchdowns during his four seasons as coordinator. Well, he has a pretty good back there in in Los Angeles, even though he doesn't. You know, maybe Eckler no, doesn't really need that. That true, you know, feature back, he kind of is, right? And and maybe we'll see more passes, uh, you know, a similar workload of passes. And I, but I think the big hope is with that huge receiving core, you, you know, you bring Quentin Johnston to join Mike Williams and Gerald Everett, a really big bodies. Uh, Keenan Allen is not a small man, but he's very good as well. Um, but, the you know, Justin Herbert coming off, you know, a, a, I guess a disappointing season. Uh, I don't know how disappointing it was, 25 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, you know, okay, Uh, it was all right. Uh, But the yards per attempt were a career low, 6.8 yards per attempt. And I think, you know, with the way Moore's offense has looked, that number should go up. I think we could all have some great hopes for the receiving assets there as well as for a big rebound for Justin Herbert.
0: Danielle, what do you think you're going to see here?
2: I am really excited because I have been in shambles over the offense of the the chargers lately in past seasons because they pissed me off so badly i love them they have so much talent on that team but they would decide to go for it on every single fourth down or <laughs> never go for it at all and there was just so polar opposites every single week and it was just driving me insane so i am so excited we finally have a new offensive coordinator here i think it could be very beneficial for herbert and obviously austin eckler i mean he going to go off no matter what I think that this is going to be great for the entire offense and I'm hoping we see not just better workload for the receivers and for Herbert but a little bit more consistency and some better play
0: calling <laughs> yeah at Riverboat Staley that's that should be the term being thrown around with, with him going on and uh, Bob to your point with Justin Herbert 25 and 10 if that's a down year, then he's the equivalent of right. Aaron Rodgers having a down year. Right. Like that's just shows you where he's at.
1: Right. I'm I'm, I'm going to be fine. You know, I, I think he's going in the right spot right now. You know, just ADP wise kind of, you know, the tail end of that, you, you've got the top three tier and then, uh, you know, kind of, I think most people leaning in Lamar and, in and, uh, Lamar Jackson and, and Justin Fields. And then the next pair is there Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert, whatever order you have them in. I have them Herbert ahead of Lawrence, but um, but I think you know he does have that ability uh, to to move up a little bit, and so I'm I'm kind of excited about his uh, the prospects under Kellen Moore.
0: Well, we're going to get to a question about him in the next segment, and I'm going to say where I have my ranking. Maybe it'll surprise you when we get to that. But let's talk about those quarterbacks. <laughs> we got to start off with the king, the Super Bowl champ, Mr. Patrick Mahomes. Right now, talk about an ADP going about that second round most of the time. And consent ECR-wise, last I checked, he's ranked number one. Now, I have him number three. And I think it goes back to this question I'm about to ask you, Bob. Does the lack of using his legs on a consistent basis, at least or on a Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen basis, bring him down to a QB3, or should he be the number one overall?
1: Um, I'm kind of with you on this one. I mean, I, you know, I'm not taking him down to three. I'm taking him down to two. I'll still have Josh Allen ahead of him for that reason. Um, I'm wondering, you know, and and Jalen Hurts, I mean, you could easily make the argument that he should be there. Right. Um, you know, but, but you're, are we assuming he's going to get all those goal line carries again? Maybe he will. I mean, maybe that's the whole plan there, but Mahomes, I think you're just drafting the fact that he has been consistently productive, right? I think that's worth something uh you know toss six more touchdown passes uh than, you know than josh allen last year that was pretty good uh averaged more than 300 yards per game for the third time in five seasons that you know hints at the consistency at least one touchdown pass in all 17 games uh so i mean th- there's a lot to like there. I, I feel like he's like the safest of those guys right i think you, you feel the most confident that he's going to continue producing at that same level where you have fears that you know josh allen at some point that they keep running him so much that's You know, does he put himself at risk of the injuries? And with Jalen Hurts, you know, it's, you know, look, I think he's going to be phenomenal. But has he demonstrated a season over season over season the way Patrick Mahomes has? So I think that's the thing you're drafting with Mahomes is that reasonable confidence that he's going to continue playing at the same pace without any concerns that there's going to be a drop off.
0: No, it's fair. Of all, all of them, he has saved his floor, it feels like. It, since 2018, obviously the number one finish in 2018, he's had two top four finishes and an eighth finish mixed in there. That was the year he kind of got banged up. Uh, but here's, I guess here's my thing. If I'm going to draft the quarterback number one overall, and with quarterbacks getting pushed up the board the way they are, especially in the first three rounds in that elite tier if you're not going to finish in that top three, and Mahomes has shown while he's super consistent because he doesn't have the rushing upside of some of those other guys, it's not always where he's finishing. I feel like I'm going to be hugely disappointed, let's say, if I take Mahomes in the second round and he's not number one overall. Danielle, do you feel that way or do you just not care because you know you're going to get a safe floor with Mahomes?
2: I honestly don't care. Patrick has been kind of my go-to guy the past few years in fantasy. He hasn't let me down ever. I don't think, I mean, obviously you're going to have an off game here or there that happens. Nothing to be concerned about though. He is very consistent. He gets the job done every single week. And I know that even in the worst case scenario, he will find Kelsey at max. Like, you know, he's going to find Kelsey some way, somehow Kelsey finds himself to be open all the time. He's a big dude. It's really easy for him to just run all over these defenses. So I'm not too concerned at having him as my number one quarterback. I think Obviously this top three list is very interchangeable. I think if you're getting any one of those three, you're obviously a good hands for the season, but due to the consistency that Mahomes has, as we've talked about, I do really like him as my number
1: one QB. I think you can't overlook the, you know, the, the relationship with him and Andy Reid, where, you know, he's Mahomes has risen to that level where he's essentially a coordinator on the field, right? They're in tune. Andy Reid, I mean, arguably right now the best coach in the NFL. So, you know, all due respect to Bill Belichick. So, I think being a great coach has something to do with who your quarterback happens to be at any given time. And in this case, you know, that's where Reed has the edge. And Mahomes adds to that with it, you know, with his understanding of the offense, his ability to make off schedule plays and, and do things like that that keep, you know, that keeps the offense on the field where other teams would not. Yeah. Uh,
0: does this seem to work that way, right? Belichick, number one coach. Nez Tom Brady doesn't have Tom Brady, not number one coach anymore. Yeah, it's funny how that kind of winds up working out. Bob, let me ask you this question while we're on the quarterbacks anyway. You're, we're going into August. It's draft strategy time. Are you going to draft the quarterback in the first three rounds, or are you looking to wait after that?
1: Um, so I feel like I have the, you know, the, the, easy, the easy pass here that I'm in so many drafts, I'm doing a lot of different things. And so I'm trying to take the mindset as I'm sitting here talking to audiences and you know, trying to help people dial in their strategies over what I would do if I was just in a narrow band of drafts. And, like, you can make a pretty strong argument for taking one of those top-tier guys. I mean, I think, you know, depending on where they go, and I think most home so, you know, you're going to start seeing them go at the end of the first round. I don't think any of the top three are making it out of the second round. They might make it in the third round, in some of the drafts we're doing, you know, but I think they're probably going to mostly be in that top, you know, that top two, two rounds. There's a good argument to be made for it, right? And so... Um, I do think there's a heck of a lot of value. There's only a handful of quarterbacks averaging 20 points per game, and they're among them, right? And, and so, you know, it, it, and it maybe depends also on your style of play or how you prefer to play. You're, you know, are you, a, are you swinging big? I'll remind everyone, nobody cares who comes in second, right? People care who come in first. So are you going to hammer that value with the other positions that maybe you find better early and still get a great quarterback? I mean, I think we can go all the way through that list that I mentioned at the top. You know, and you're talking now that you're drafting your quarterbacks in round five, six, seven. You could go later than that. Apparently, Geno Smith would like a word with us and remind us that, you know, quarterbacks drafted far into the double-digit rounds are capable of top 10 finishes. So, again, it depends on your style of play. I'm not against drafting one of those top three quarterbacks. I'm doing a lot in best ball. Don't know that I'll do it in my regular leagues.
0: Yeah, I think that's where I'm at, too. I don't have a problem with the best ball, but when it comes to regular leagues, I feel like it's a big value price to pay, especially for, well, especially in the case of they have to hit at that ADP, yep. basically. Right. You're drafting them at the ceiling. They have to hit. If they don't hit, you're kind of in the, behind the eight right. ball a little bit. Right,
1: right. But every way you're drafting that early, you're drafting at their ceiling, right? And that's you're right. drafting them because you have to. In the case of quarterbacks, I think that separation is much less than you can maybe. And there are players you can hope for that are going to rise up. I mean, I think we all have, I mean, we all have hopes that Lamar Jackson can, you know, maybe with a new offense and new some new weapons, can be better. But if you have a belief that somebody's going to rise up, uh, then you're definitely better off waiting.
0: Well, I'll tell you one guy I do have rising up, and that is Justin Herbert. I actually have him right now five. Overall, not QB seven. I'm a little bit higher than the ECR. A little bit higher than the ADP is at the moment. I'm even contemplating depending on how long Burrow is actually going to be out, moving him in the four. And Burrow's the only one I have at four as of this moment. This this is my guy. We talked about him a little bit already when we talked about Kellen Moore. But for a down year, for him to still finish as a QB, what nine or eleven? I'm sorry, he was still yeah. top twelve quarterback. Right. Even in a down year with more weapons, the Quentin Johnson thing is huge. Not just I don't know what Quentin Johnson himself is necessarily going to do. And we'll talk about him in a second, our expectations for him. But the fact that you have somebody besides Josh Palmer to step in when when and or if it feels inevitable that Keenan Allen or Mike Williams are going to miss games. Is huge for Justin Herbert along with the coaching change. That's why I have him in my top five. His his ADP on FFPC right now. He's going in about round seven most of the time. That's what I'm looking for. That's why I'm not necessarily taking the quarterbacks to the top three because my eye is on Herbert jumping that round early and taking him at six. What do you think, Bob?
1: I think it's very like right. Take your guys. Right. That's. I mean, that's the whole idea of fantasy football. And we become, this, you know, a prisoners of ADP, right? Where, oh, I don't want to draft this guy now. That's not where he's going. I'll look silly in front of all these people. No, get your guy. You're going to feel a lot less silly during the season when you have a player that you love who's outperforming expectations. You had all these beliefs about, look, it can go the other way too. We all know that. But I mean, th- this is, you know, we all have to remember ADP is not there to tell us when to draft players. It's tell us when players are being drafted so that we may jump ahead and grab them ahead of adp that's you know <clears throat> that's the idea behind adp so don't get trapped in there and think you need to do that and if you have a strong belief about a player dan obviously you, you know you do i mean we all have them about various players <clears throat> then yeah don't be afraid to go get that guy and if people in the room think you're silly so be it uh taunt them even harder when your predictions come true
0: exactly daniel where are you at on this because Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, Justin Herbert. Where, where do you have Herbert when you have those those four overall in that group?
2: I am right with you. I have him at that fifth spot, obviously, like right behind Burrow. You never know what's going to happen with that, but we're just not going to talk about that right now. Um, but Herbert, I really do like as a quarterback. Ever since he entered into the league, I've really loved watching him play. I think he's a very talented quarterback, and he has this little special quirk about him that I can't really – like pinpoint but is very different than other quarterbacks i just love watching him play despite some coaching issues in the past um i do really like herbert and i think this is going to be a really great year for him and when you look at players that in different power rankings that they have directly below him with like aaron Rodgers and lamar jackson i just think that he is better than them and i think no disrespect to aaron Rodgers, i think he's great however he's older he's the jets now and i just have a lot more hope and a belief in Herbert over Jackson and Fields
0: and Rogers. There you go. Look at that. Look at my co-host on the same page as me. Who would have thunk? Who would have just.
1: I'm just going to say here, I'm not here for the old man slander. Come on now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Didn't mean it that way. Didn't mean it that way.
0: <laughs> Danielle alienating our guests. It's, not, it's go. not an
1: appearance unless I make fun of my mate. <laughs>
0: Uh, we talked about Russell Wilson a bit when we, you know, we went in depth with him and talked about Sean Payton. So let's talk about Jimmy Garoppolo to wrap out the quarterback segment here. And I guess the only question is this, because you're not drafting Jimmy from a fantasy standpoint, but it'll tee up the other players we talk about in some later segments. Is he a, a downgrade or an upgrade from Derek Carr? What do you think, Bob?
1: Uh, you know, if uh, if we're splitting hairs here, I'm going to say a downgrade. I think it's kind of semi lateral move. We'll see. It, it, which Jimmy G is it the one who remains on the field more than not? Man, maybe, maybe it's not, maybe it's not necessarily a downgrade. I do think it, you know, if I'm being objective here, it probably is. Um, but also just, you know, he Jimmy, Jimmy G is what the coaches want, right? He's more comfortable. They were familiar with him, you know, uh, Josh McDaniels offense, something Jimmy Garoppolo had enough success in to earn himself a ton of money down the road. So I'm pretty, I'm glancing over the top of my TV because there's, you know, they're showing a bunch of teams that we're talking about right now, uh, practicing on NFL network. And and so I saw Jimmy G was out there today. And I think the comments, uh, you know, from the, the sideline reporters there was, that there was a lot fewer mistakes, uh, you know, in today's practice than there were with him on the field there, or yesterday. I guess they're showing yesterday's practice probably. So, because um, it's early in the West Coast. I don't think anyone's yeah. up yet. Um, but but I, I do, I, and I think that's the case. I think he can, you know, he can run this offense. And, in you know, you've got some great talents. I'm assuming Josh Jacobs is making some assumptions here that we'll talk about. But also, I have it on good authority. Sources tell me Devontae Adams is very good and my sources are my eyes uh <laughs> i've watched him play for a while and he, he yeah you know, i think we all get a little nervous about you know the quarterback situations i want to remind you you know if you were worried about quarterback play last year and it kept you from drafting players like i don't know dk metcalf and tyler lockett if it kept you from drafting amari cooper uh then you probably missed the boat on some really good players and i'm trying not to do that this year so do i have Di- Devonte dial back a bit sure um but not a lot, right? Because I think Jimmy Garoppolo the, – the concern for me is if something happens to Jimmy G and the injuries remain an issue, and he's coming off off-season foot surgery, people, we know that. And uh, But he's cleared. He's opening camp. He's uh, off the pup. No pup. There was, was no pup. So uh, I, I think that's all pretty positive. And, and so I think he can. I think he can manage this offense and run it reasonably well. So I have a lot of optimism there. But as far as a fantasy quarterback – no better than a quarterback too. Uh, if I feel really, if I, I really feel good in leagues where, you know, I do a lot of three quarterback drafts and best ball, three quarterback builds. I get him as that third quarterback. I feel super good.
0: Yeah. He, he's very familiar with the Josh McDaniel system. It was a small sample size, but we saw him be very effective in those few games with the Patriots. It's a big reason why 49ers wanted him in that, in that trade over there. And I don't know that he's a downgrade in that sense, because right. I think he fits what McDaniels wants to exactly. do better. Now, the questions you bring up, and we always have to talk about with Jimmy, is how many games you are going to play? From that sense, you could be a downgrade, because Derek Carr actually, you know, he's he's pretty durable. He stays on the field no matter how much as he's getting hit. So that's going to be the question. If you told me Jimmy G is going to play at least 15 games this year, I'd say they have an upgrade overall at offense, because he's going to run the system a bit better from that standpoint. What, what do you think, Danielle, quickly? What, what do you think is an uh, upgrade or downgrade?
2: I think it's an upgrade, just hopefully he stays healthy.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much how you wrap it up. Let's go to the running backs. Austin Eckler, I feel your pain. I want you guys to get paid. I really do. I don't think you have much of a platform to stand on, though, and there's really not a lot you can do about it with seven years left on the current CBA, but I understand why you're so upset. Fantasy-wise, I don't see any reason to downgrade Austin Eckler. I do have him at three, not at two, because I love Bijan, and I have to have Christian McCaffrey at number one, but I don't see... There's always this talk about getting him off the goal line, giving that work to somebody else, but then... Roster wise, they didn't really improve. You're still trying to run Josh Kelly at me, who's been terrible, and given those opportunities. So, Bob, when I look at this, I don't see anything changing for Austin Eckler. No, they, they, the Chargers have
1: swung and missed three times at that that <laughs> uh, other back. Which, you know, for um, I'm not going to lie, I, I don't think there's a zero percent chance that they end up landing somebody. Month. I don't know. So, uh so we'll see but, but uh, that doesn't materially change how I view Eckler and I'm with you. He's going to be my running back too. Uh He has the most touchdowns in the NFL over the last two seasons. Uh Yes. Touchdown regression is a thing, except Austin Eckler keeps telling me it's not. He, I mean, if, it, if the regression is two touchdowns a year, I'll take it and I'll take the 16 touchdowns he scores this year based on that. So no, I think he's, a, I think he's locked solid. You know, it's, it's the receiving equity that keeps him there. Uh, We saw the way Tony Pollard was used in Dallas. He will be part of the, you know, if you think Kellen Moore is coming in and, and going to noticeably change the uh, approach with, uh, in terms of Eckler's usage, I don't expect that. So he's locked in as my number two.
0: Well, talking about usage. I harp on this every single year, look for running backs who are, are supposed to be free agents the following season because teams don't care. They'll just use them up. That's the situation Austin Eckler is in, on top of being 28 years old. That's why I don't see the usage going away yeah. in any in any shape, way, or form. They have no reason to hold him back, and I don't think they're going to. The only question I guess some people bring up, and it's a valid point, and I'll ask this to Danielle. When Mike Williams and Keen Allen were on the field, we did see a drop-off in his overall targets, but do you care about that as far as when we're ranking him inside that top... Five, I guess you could say. With, uh, I think the consensus right now is is Christian McCaffrey, uh, Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, B. John Robinson, all kind of mixed in there. Does that go into your your thinking at all, or no?
2: Not necessarily. I mean, we saw this last season that didn't really affect him at all, and I don't see it affecting him this much this year. Obviously, there's going to be a little bit of a drop off when they're on the field and they're healthy mm-hmm. and down. Getting close to scoring, I think it could obviously make a difference, but I don't think it's going to be enough for me to lean towards another running back instead. Obviously, it just kind of depends on who's open when it's your turn to draft, but I'm definitely looking to draft Eckler in my top for my running back
1: one spot.
0: Yeah. yeah, smallest starting running back in the NFL. I mean, he scores the most touchdowns. Who would have right.
1: thought? And, and, you know, you mentioned the targets. I mean, if he falls off from the 127 back to 100, OK, I'll be fine with that. I mean, yeah, that's, you know, we can think back to, the, you know, the heyday of Alvin Kamara where, you know, Drew Brees was hitting him 100 targets a, gay, a year and he was catching 80 of those. That's a lot of extra points, you know, in PPR or half point PPR, whichever you're playing.
0: Yeah, and uh, that would still make him either number one or number two, depending upon what McCaffrey's doing, if he's staying healthy, basically. So that's where you're just not worried at all about Austin Eckler this year. Have to be a little bit concerned right now with Josh Jacobs to some degree. And then this guy, consensus-wise, is about eight. I do have him eighth right now, but I am getting a little bit concerned. And not just because of the holdout situation. I do think he'll be on the field at some point. But Jacobs is a guy who consistently... While he doesn't miss games, consistently he's dealing with some sort of nagging issue that he's constantly playing through. And last year was fantastic because coming into it, he knew he had to get paid and he was really probably in the best shape we've ever seen Josh Jacobs be in. Now, all of a sudden, you come to this year, you have more of a contract dispute, maybe not as motivated to give it as all as of a result. And I kind of question a little bit are you in tip top shape? And with a guy like Josh Jacobs, with the workload he's had over the past few years, I start to worry about this year being a year where we see him miss a handful of games due to injury, not due to the holdout. But Bob, where are you at on trying to value Josh Jacobs right now? We're trying to figure out when is he going to come back to camp, and what are we looking at going into the season? Yeah, I think you know the touches
1: were massive last year, and it's something you mentioned—you know, players going to contract years. We had talked about this at length heading into last season. What our expectations were for Josh Jacobs, and I think you know on the serious show we had mentioned numerous times i mean it's entirely possible they dry, treat him like a rental car they just drive the wheels off him or it's possible they revert back to their new englandy ways and mix up the the back. i feel the same this year it could go either way maybe you know maybe we see a little more of a mix i know talking to some people you know in vegas this just this, in the recent days uh vic tafer feeling from the athletic feeling like you know maybe we'll see a little more they, they think his way is very explosive and and maybe we see a little more of him in his year now removed from the ACL. So, um I still feel like we're probably going to see the, the majority of it's going to be Josh Jacobs. I don't have him, you know, is my I have him I have him as a running back one, but he's down at the tail end. I've kind of vacillated between 10 and 11. I think I have him at 11 at the moment. Um and maybe I gain a little more confidence when he gets into camp. We can go I'll go back. I mean, I don't think he's going to pass up on, you know, 11 million, 10.9 million dollars, you know, but and Bell changed the way we all have to couch that by saying, well, that never happens to, well, it happened once. So I hope it doesn't happen again. So (laughs) I don't think it will happen. And maybe they come to a deal like they did with the Giants did with Saquon that makes him happy and feel a a little more comfortable with where he's at or at least uh, takes the edge off his anger.
0: Yeah, I mean, the big difference with Jacobs in general is that you're not going to be... He's, he's not going to be the guy that everyone hates in your drafts who is falling in the third, fourth, fifth rounds because right. nobody wanted to take him. You're going to have to pay up for him this year because no one's going to be caught sleeping on a Josh Jacobs. So I guess my question to Danielle is to you is this. At his ADP, which right now on FFPC, is about that third round as it stands today. And I might be dipping a little bit as we get more into camp and he's still holding out. But at the third round... Are you comfortable taking a Josh Jacobs there or no?
2: I don't know. I was really big on the Josh Jacobs wagon before last year. And kind of last year was a weird year and everybody just didn't think he was going to do great at all and exceeded all everybody's expectations. And now people are, I think, a little bit too high and thinking like, oh, well, he's going to be our RB1. Like you can get him instead of Saquon, maybe. And like some people are just really putting him like in that top five running back position, which is Great. I do love Jacobs, and that's awesome. He's getting that recognition. Mm. However, that is too high for him this season. He's not going to have the exact same season as he did last year. He's going to regress most likely. And so I personally think I'm just leaning towards other running backs. If for some reason he falls and I'm looking for a running back at the time and there's no other better options, obviously I'm going to take him because I do really like him, but not really looking to – Pay too much for him um, compared to other running backs right now in the league. Yeah. I think that's fair.
1: Uh, I just want yes. to say, three hundred forty attempts were like eighty percent of the Raiders' total attempts as a team. That seems like unlikely <laughs> to repeat. But again, um, I think there comes a point where he's going to become a value. It's 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 in that you know in that third round range. And again, it's probably you know. Like if you're doing a maybe a receiver heavy build or you're doing something else and you're coming around in that third round and you see Josh Jacobs as that anchor running back or your running back one and maybe you have some upside plays later on, I feel like pretty confident that he's going to have a stable enough workload that I could live with him as my running back one if I'm going with that build.
0: No, oh, 100%. And again, his ADP is going to, consistently come down the longer he holds out. So there's a chance here we see Jacob's wind up becoming a value over the next couple of weeks. For me right now that's a little bit too rich when I have I have a lot of guys in that that uh, that eighteen to twenty four area that I'm really intrigued by, especially if I'm taking the strategy. If I'm am going to go wide receiver early, but when we're talking full point PPR and halfway PPR in particular, where I would rather take the Alexander Madison, the Rashad White, the Miles Sanders, and kind of run it out there if I'm stock loading receivers. But now if Jacobs is going to fall back in third, fourth. Now now we're talking. Now I'm not going to pass up that kind of a value. So that's kind of where I'm sitting at here when you're looking at that situation. Talk about situations that are hard to predict, or at least I think are harder to predict than maybe they're getting credit for. And that's the Chiefs right now. Everyone pretty much assumes, at least who I've talked to so far, we'll see what Bob has to say, that they're just assuming it's going to be what it was in the back half of last season, where it was Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. With Clyde Lair. he was hurt, but even before that was losing snaps and it seemed like he was losing his job anyway. I am not willing to just throw CEH away as if he's yesterday's garbage and think that he's not part of this equation. Now, I don't think he's a lead guy. I do think Pacheco's a lead guy, and McKinnon will probably still be out-targeting him to some degree. But I think he's there to be annoying enough where I don't really value guys like Pacheco at 28, where they're going at right now, or even McKinnon as a sleeper You know, back in the round 13 right now on FFPC. Bob, how do you see this committee shifting out?
1: I think... I'm not getting a lot of Isaiah Pacheco for the, for the reason you said I have concerns. And I think Ceh in best ball for me is like a, you know, on my list of free score plays, last round guy that, that I grab, and I may get a week or two out of him, and I may not. And if I don't, I won't care. Right. Cause it's the last round. So I think you're picking as much that offense and the past draft capital and hoping for him to regain, regain some, regain some ground. Uh, You know, I'm not as dismissive of McKinnon because I like the price range where he's going. I don't know that he has the exact same role. I don't think he's going to be, you know, running back two over the last six weeks of the season again. Uh, But it's possible. And at that price point that he's going at and I'm getting him as a running back four, I'm fine with that. Yeah. uh, Danielle,
0: shoot your shot here. Who do you think this breakdown is going to be?
2: This is just so hard to predict. You're asking me to like predict the weather for three months from now. I feel like
0: Uh, (laughs) that's what we do on this show.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So don't take anything for what I'm about to say word for word and say, Oh, well she said so. And that's why, (laughs) because this is going to be so interesting to see play out. I personally think, I like Pacheco just a little bit more. So if I were to choose between McKinnon and Pacheco for my team, I'd most likely be choosing Pacheco. However, I have no idea what the Chiefs are thinking for what their running back lineup is going to be. I do really like Clyde Edwards, though, and if he for some reason enters back into the equation as like a full time running back. Like we've seen in past seasons, he does have a lot of upside. And if for some reason that does happen, I will be picking him up in the off season. Cause most likely he'll be out and available to grab depending on the league that you're in. So mm-hmm. I would definitely just be watching out for him. Cause he might be, um silent but he might be deadly about halfway through the season
1: yeah i think the way we're talking about all these guys who we're all but ensuring that Eric prince ends up doing something and spoiling all their eyes so. <laughs> exactly <laughs> or,
0: or kareem hunt comes back to the chiefs like
1: i didn't want to throw it out there because I, I think that's entirely uh, kareem hunt is a player that nobody's talking about who's going to land somewhere and really mess up a lot of best balls
0: yeah, I could totally. I mean, this, it's what the Chiefs do. If you look over the past few years. They bring in some veteran who's been ostracized by the rest of the league and see what he has left. I mean, I I wouldn't be shocked if it happened at all. Talk about committees, or at least with, I think it's going to be more of a committee now that Javante is actually getting healthier. But Perrine and Javante Williams situation now. I am actually getting excited by Javante Williams. Uh, Danielle and I have, we had Brian Scott from the Angeles podcast on about a week ago and his medical expertise has been pretty much on point when it comes to a lot of these players. And, He was laying out that he's feeling pretty good about Javante Williams, not just the fact that he'll be active for week one, but that maybe this is not a J.K. Dobbins situation, and maybe we can expect some pretty good production out of him earlier in the season that we were necessarily projecting him to do. And actually, as a result, I've moved Javante Williams. I had him at RB27. I've moved him inside my top 24 as we're getting more and more confident with him. Uh, But when I look at this, I still see a split between Samaje Perine and Javante Williams to some degree, and I think, and my question, Bob, to you is, could Perine take on that Melvin Gordon role that keeps Javante at about forty-five percent of the team carries?
1: Uh, entirely possible, right? So I, I think my concern right now, I feel like you know I'm not going to move Williams into my top twenty-four, and I think in like on I want to say underdog, he's twenty-seven right now. I think that's fair, right? Taking a shot on him as your running back three or in that running back three territory seems like, you know, it feels a lot better than going with him as a number two. P. Ryan is there for a reason, Then they didn't add anybody else, I think, for a reason. I think because they think P. Ryan can get the job done. So assuming that's, you know, that's their stance, I mean, I have plenty of shares of P. Ryan because is really going way late, uh, especially, you know, did, did, uh, on both Best Ball Tens and Underdog over the course of the last couple of months, he's been dirt cheap. And so that that's changing a little bit And the, you know, he's moved up the ranks a little bit. I mean, I, you know, I know who was it on Twitter? Dr. Jesse Morris threw out on Twitter. I mean, he had a really good take where he basically just said, uh, you know, be careful, right. As far as we know, here's what exactly what he said. Only three players have suffered is similar injuries to Williams, meaning the three tears, Wentz Dobbins, Gus Edwards, all three returned to struggle in their first year back. Like, expecting someone to be the outlier of this group, you know, or banking on him to be the outlier of this group seems like a bit of a, you know, I'm going to be more cautious than that with him and and set my expectations a little lower. And if he outperforms them, fantastic. Good for you, Javante Williams. I hope you do. Uh, And, and, but I'm not going to build my team around the, the notion that that's exactly what he's going to do. I'd be more cautious in my approach than, than that. So, and, but I think you can do both, right? I think you can be cautious, still have him on your roster, and maybe reap some benefits late in the season.
0: Yeah, I think by putting him at twenty four, all I'm ensuring is that whoever follows my rankings and myself is that I'm going to get Javante Williams at least as my RB three, and I think that was my goal behind that. And that's what you—that's a good point to bring up with people. You know, you're going off a certain person's rankings or whatever the case may be. Know that those rankings are don't hamstring you from being able to make moves, or you have to take that player where they're ranked at. Take them because. Go ahead, Bob. I mentioned don't be a prisoner to ADP. Don't be a prisoner to anyone's right. rankings, even your own, right? I mean, you, you have
1: rankings, but this just in, you can't perfectly predict the future. It's a tricky business, right? right. Uh, so go with a, you know, you mentioned ECR, the expert consensus ranking at Fantasy Pros, you know, just to kind of get a feel for what the world feels, but then make your adjustment there. But also, if you want players, and it depends on how the draft, the flows of draft are going, there's a lot of moving pieces there. Just don't be a prisoner uh, to a list, right? Be a prisoner to how you're feeling in the moment, you know. You know, good drafters are fairly disciplined. They know the range of players, and and give that player a range. You know, so a lot of people draft. You know, JJ Zachary does it. Draft it. You know, rank in tiers. That's a good way to do it and pull players out of tier groups rather than from a specific number because your odds of predicting that specific number are not great.
0: I one hundred percent agree, Danielle. Where do you have Javante? I know you're a little lower on him.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm a little bit lower on him, but. If he is available and I'm looking for my RB3 spot, I'm definitely going to pick him up. I feel confident in that spot for him. And worst case scenario, it doesn't work out. And I end up switching him out throughout the season, maybe doing a trade or figuring out who else is available out there. I mean, I'm not too worried about that spot necessarily if it's not working out. Um, But I have hope for him this season. I'm just not as high as other people are on him. (laughs)
0: That's fine, and and by the way, if you take Javante, make sure you're getting Samaja Perine. But to Bob's point, Perine's a value whether you have Javante or not. You want a guy that you can kick yes. off the season with. That's that's definitely a guy like that.
1: Yeah, he's a st- he's a standalone play at least early on to me, and maybe throughout the season. The way you know Sean Payton will share the workload, so I think that's fair. <laughs>
0: time for our wide receivers. Let's backtrack to Devontae Adams. Now Adams is amazing. However, he is being ranked consistently in the back end of wide receiver ones. Now for different reasons, one being Jimmy G's health, never being able to really stay healthy or trust that it's going to necessarily happen. And his backup being Brian Hoyer. I understand that part. Devontae Adams, not being super thrilled about the offense and the situation on the Raiders has been publicly saying as much. I understand that part. And that's the only thing I think that actually concerns me. I don't care about the quarterbacks. We've seen Devontae Adams without Aaron Rodgers When Rogers hurt with guys like Brett Hundley still get his, I'm not worried about that, but I am a little bit concerned. You have Adams. Who's a guy that will have some calf issues from one from time to time. If he's not motivated and doesn't really love playing for Josh McDaniels or, or this Raiders team anymore. Now that Derek Carr has moved on. Does he play through those sort of things that he would have played through before? I, that, that's where my mind kind of starts to go. I have Devontae Adams as of now at 10, I'm probably moving him up uh, to at least nine. Cause I'm going to be knocking Garrett Wilson down a little bit as we, as we get closer with this injury with how much time he might miss. i might just move him down a little lower. On my wide receiver one list, move up Adams I'm on Ross and Brown, CD lamb, AJ Brown. But uh, Bob, where, where you have at, Ad- with Adams and uh, does any of those things concern you? Uh, yes. All those things concern me,
1: but also I have them ranked seven. I'm going cup. I have cup number one, by the way. So, uh, you know, I, I like, I'm a big believer in consistent production over time. Uh, In that consistent weekly production has been there. Justin Jefferson, Tyree kill, Jamar chase, CD lamb, AJ Brown. Then I'm going Devonte Adams at seven Adams may well move up a little bit more. I, you know, I find myself making that, turn into the second round if i'm drafting late in the first round and adams there i have a hard time passing up on him depending on how things are going um i think we may be overstating the quarterback case i mentioned it earlier uh you know there's a number of players this year that i feel are super good values because people are concerned about the quarterback situation i see terry mclaurin going probably later than he should based on his abilities and production over the course of time there's a fellow named mike evans who has been very good over the course of time uh (laughs) who people are worried about the quarterback look Having a not a great quarterback or not an ideal quarterback situation is different than not having a quarterback. People, so uh, keep that in mind. Somebody's going to be throwing them the football. Um, but in Devontae Adams' case, you know, if it went to the Brian Hoyer or oh, heaven forbid, Aiden O'Connell situation, uh, <laughs> who knows? I mean, uh, I mean, would would it be a huge concern? Yes, would Devonte Adams still not be the leading weapon on that offense in the receiving core? He's absolutely going to remain that. So I'm I'm fairly comfortable keeping him inside my top ten just based on his own history.
0: You hit him the nail on the head when you said take Devontae Adams, taking Devontae Adams on that flip on that first, second round flip. That's that's what I've been doing, because when I see Adams name there in the second round and it's consistently there, I don't see a way I can pass up on him there. All all he does, all he does is get a 30 percent team target share, no matter who the quarterback is. It's what he does. Like you said, hashtag Devontae Adams. Really, really good. Danielle, so we can't, you know, we're not going to discuss how good is Devontae Adams, but uh, when you compare him to CeeDee Lamb, A.J. Brown, uh, Garrett Wilson, those guys, where do you have him in that range, Tyreek Hill?
2: I have him below Tyreek Hill, but uh, above the Wilson and the A.J. Brown, CeeDee Lamb, just because ultimately he is Devontae Adams at the end of the day. I mean, let's be real. He is one of the best wide receivers in the league right now, and you can't really... Dispute that, despite even the quarterback situation and everything, he ultimately is still a very talented player on his own. So obviously, I don't think he's better than Tyreek Kill at the moment. I think I'd definitely draft Tyreek Kill over him, but definitely better than Garrett Wilson and A.J. Brown.
0: All right. I like that. And and Bob, you're the second person I've had who's has Cooper cup. Number one, I love, I have Cooper cup number three, but I was making the case that he should at least still be in the conversation to be number one overall. I, I love That's
1: it. exactly true. And anyone who had Justin Jefferson last year is going, yeah, Justin Jefferson was great, but there was there might've been a week or two when he didn't show up. Right. I, and I think that's the difference when you're, you know, we're splitting hairs at the top. Right. So yeah, that's totally it. It's, it I'm going for the consistency. If you're going for that high side, uh, Go we'll get on with your bad self. Justin Jefferson will be just fine for you.
0: No, I have Jamar Chase number one because I'm just going right. to shoot for the guy who's just going to be breaking out the stars. But those three, it's 1A, 1B, 1C. Yep. Like I got pretty much when it breaks down to it. Totally agree. Uh, Let's move to the Chargers. Let's talk about these guys. So, injury aside, we know Keenan Allen, Mike Williams are just going to, they're slated to miss a couple of games at minimum, pretty much. But when you look at Keaton Allen, I'm not going to be out on him just because he missed half the season last year with a hamstring injury and just because he's entering or is in his 31-year season. I'm not moving off of that. All the guy does is get double-digit targets whenever him and Justin Herbert are on the field at the same time. And right now, his ADP wide receiver 16 going in the fourth round, I mean, you're playing full-point PPR. My God, Bob, like that's the steal. Yeah. I'm.
1: Uh, so for starters, I'm injury agnostic of uh, people, you know, and I get it is sometimes it costs me, uh, but players who are healthy entering the season are fair game for me. And if I'm getting a discount because people are fearful of injuries, then so be it. I'll take a Keenan Allen when he returned from his hamstring last year down the stretch finals. I want to say thir- we 13 on, he was wide receiver six in the NFL, um, <clears throat> you know, sleep on him at your own to your own detriment.
0: Yeah. 89 targets in like eight games played. Like, yeah, yeah, I think, I think we'll, I think we'll be okay. And then when I look at Mike Williams, though, I kind of have a flip side on Mike Williams. I don't get excited by Mike Williams as much as a lot of other people do, because when I look at him, he's so inconsistent that he's just a wide receiver three, no matter what. He had a magical run for like five games. And all of a sudden, that seems to be what he is. When you're talking to a lot of different people about Mike Williams, I don't know where you're at, but this is a guy who his target share hangs around 17, 18, 19 percent. That is a wide receiver three, no matter what you think about his ability. Bob, are you higher than than that than I am? Not really. I feel kind of the same. I mean, I think we're all you know we do that. We draft we're we're drafting these uh,
1: you know amazing stretches for players. I mean, you know, there's still people out there trying to draft the 2013 Josh Gordon, if they had an opportunity, right? So you're all trying to regain magical periods of time for various players. I, you know, I think, I think Williams is fine at the right price. And I think that, you know, to me, that's more what I'm looking for, especially if I'm going receiver heavy early, if I get him as my like my third receiver, I can live with that.
0: What do you see with this, with the split, Danielle, and throw Quentin Johnston in there too. What do you think you're going to get out of Quentin Johnson this year?
2: You know, that's very hard to say, especially with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, both in the mix there. It will be very interesting to see how they split it up. Obviously, I feel like Keenan Allen is their go-to guy, but it will be really interesting to see how Williams comes into the picture The picture here. I genuinely don't think it's going to be anything too special, especially from the fantasy-wise, but I think it could be something worth looking at for next season and seeing how he progresses. Um, but for Mike Williams, I feel like we talked about him a lot last season and every week it was just like, all right, well, this is what you can expect from him. And then he went on his little run there and we are like, oh, well, maybe, maybe there's something, but don't, don't act too fast on it because we ultimately know it's not going to last. And I think as long as you know what you're going to have in him, when you draft him, then that is fine. Just don't have these, over mm. expectations for him and think that he's going to just be a God all season. Cause that's just not going to happen.
1: I want to say that 2021 season when he had the big, big spell, he finished inside the top 10. Other than that, his best finish has been 20 in fantasy and and usually lower than that. So keep in mind.
0: Yeah. 100%. I got Keenan Allen at 14 right now. I got Mike Williams at 30. I do have Quentin Johnson though, 48. I want to be, I want to take some Quentin Johnson. When we get in those double digit rounds. back that up. Let's talk about the Bronco receivers, though. Who's actually going to be the wide receiver one? Because I have a theory it's Cortland Sutton, not Jerry Judy. And this goes goes back to Sean Payton. The ex-receiver in Sean Payton's offense is usually the featured guy, a la Marquise Colston, Mike Thomas. That's usually the guy. Not the guy running all the intermediate slot routes. That's not usually the guy who gets featured, or at least not on the same level in a Sean Payton type of offense. And when we add in Russell Wilson, he likes to throw the jump ball to that ex receiver who can go up and get it. And that, to me, is Cortland Sutton. Now, I am not saying I'm bullish. I want to go out and get Cortland Sutton right now, although his ADP is a decent value sitting back at a wide receiver 36, I believe, at the moment on FFPC at the very least. But Jerry Judy's, as a result, is too high for me. And I think it's going to be Sutton number one. Bob, what do you think? Um I don't know if Sutton will be number 1 but the price difference is enough for me to
1: prefer Sutton obviously honestly the price difference is enough for me to be drafting Tim Patrick probably more than both of those other ones That's so, fair too. But but you know and this is often the case for me oh, when there are, you know when when I'm looking at the positional values of players I'm generally not getting the most expensive one when there's a, a level of uncertainty and I think there is in Denver for exactly the reasons you stated.
0: Yeah, I mean, even even last year, Sutton 21.6% team target share. Jerry Judy, nineteen point six. So even last year, Russell Wilson was already showing a little bit of favoritism slightly to Cortland Sutton. Yes, Jerry Judy was the more productive fantasy receiver, but that could change under a Sean Payton thing. Danielle, what what do you want out of these two? Are you targeting either one of them?
2: Not necessarily, but I definitely would look at Sutton coming into the season, and if he's available, that I will draft him because he is a good player, and I don't want to draft like move past him for some reason just because I feel a little bit uncertain. I do think that he he could be a very solid wide receiver this season. I'm not really sure what they're going to do with the wide receiver one there in Denver, but I must say I have never been too high on Jerry and Judy. I feel like everybody's always hyped him up, and I've always understood his talent and i've known what he is but for me i was like oh, okay i've never really like looked at actually drafting mm. him so i don't think that's going to change this season very much and i think i'll just let everybody else hype up jerry judy and maybe stick with sutton
1: the guy that's has true.
0: that same blind spot <laughs> yeah it's that's that's very fair
1: breaking news
0: using this drop a little facetiously uh Kadarius tony's hurt News alert. <laughs> Shocker. I know. Day one of training camp and already needs a knee cleanup, which as of now expected to be back for week one. I don't know how much that matters. And this is why I have been on Skymore Con- constantly, consistently, any way you want to put it. Skymore has been my guy. And you want to talk about a steal. The guy's going in the 10th round right now. The guy who I think has the best chance to be the number one receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, who's going to probably play this the Juju Smith-Schuster role in the slot most likely. Look, I, I love she Rice, and I was very, very bullish on him come rookie mock drafts, and, and, and when we talked about what his skill set's going to be and his versatile of it. But my problem is that Andy Reid does not allow rookie wide receivers to go off. Tyreek Hill didn't even have 600 yards in his rookie year, and he's a transcendent talent. So I'm on the Sky Moore train. Bob, how do you see, see this thing shaking out?
1: Uh, the chiefs told us you know how we should approach this when they opted to let tyreek hill move on right i mean they they ship him off uh for a reason because they aren't investing in wide receivers they're invested in their quarterback and their tight end at the moment that may shift over the course of time but but i don't think it's shifting materially this year um so so who is the wide receiver one in kansas city it is the open wide receiver. That is going to change every damn snap. You're taking your chances, and I'm fine taking them. Sky Moore, fine price. Marquez Valdez, Scantling, later, a cheaper price. Uh, Kadarius Tony is your wide receiver four. Totally fine with that. Pick your poison. Take your chances. You're going to get inconsistent production. I think if I was trying to predict for consistent production. Maybe it would be more if I think I was aiming for, you know, a more of a swing for the fence play. We've all seen that in Kadarius Tony, but you're taking your chances obviously with his injury history, again, injury agnostic, you know, I, so I'm not Even with Tony. I'm not keen on, you know, <laughs> chronically injured players, especially when it's been a chronic situation. The hamstring has been continuously an issue for him this time. It's the knee, but, um, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to make that gamble for the upside as, as my wide receiver four. Um, but beyond that, you know, you're taking your chances with any of these players. So if you like one, feel free.
0: Danielle, you got you got one horse in this race.
2: Not necessarily. I'd say it depends on who's available at that time and if any of the wide receivers are are available in Kansas City. I will kind of judge at that point. I think you can't necessarily go wrong with either Tony or Moore for that fourth wide receiver spot or third wide receiver spot. But yeah, I mean. It's going to be inconsistent. You just have to know that going forward. And you can just hope for the best that you're playing the right one that week.
0: Uh, I think we might as well stick with the Chiefs when we're talking about the tight ends. Travis Kelsey, anybody? All right, so his ADP right now is in the top five. And while he's a first round pick, and I don't have any concerns about him, I don't care that he's 33 going on 34. He's shown no signs of, of slowing down. I do find myself having a hard time taking him as a top five overall pick. I'm better, um, or I should say I'm more okay with it if I'm in that nine through 12 slot, assuming you're playing in 12 man leagues, taking him there because Basically, you have to take him over Austin Eckler. You got to take him over Tyree Hill. You got to take him over Cooper Cup, Bijan John Robinson. All those players come after. And as great as Travis Kelsey is, I have all of those players projected to score more points. And when we're talking about the first round pick, I have a hard time just taking a guy who I don't think is going to score as many as points, but because of the positional domination is what you're really drafting for. So I'm I'm like 9 through 12, no problem taking Travis Kelsey. I can't do it at 5. What do you? What about you, Bob? Oh
1: yeah. All day long. Uh, okay. So you know, so positional, uh, dominance is a thing, right? I want leverage over the field and Travis Kelsey gives you that. Like no other player in the league. If you think he's going to continue to be Travis Kelsey, uh, then it's an easy argument for me to make. I have taken him anywhere from one overall, uh, down to the and the range you said, like, again, I'm in a lot of drafts, so I have the luxury. I think last year, Jonathan Taylor taught me a lesson. Don't put all your eggs in a single basket, uh, with that first pick overall. So I've had a number, uh, an array of first overall picks and i've spread it out a little bit because i think there's six guys maybe seven now with b john who i think i could live with there travis kelsey is one of those guys i th- I do think the earlier i get them the better i like the builds right so if i'm waiting until like eight or nine and i get them then coming around i i because often what you end up doing if you get them in one two three four you're coming around you're grabbing Mahomes, and then you're circling around so you've got that initial stack built you know it's going to be pretty solid but but there is something to be said for leverage over the field people don't don't be totally dismissive of it um i get if it's not everyone's cup of tea uh, in tight end premium leagues it makes it a way easier uh decision to be but even in regular leagues i think his dominance at the position makes it easy for me to go with him if i'm going in that direction
0: yeah tight end premium take him number one overall Uh, that, that no questions there daniel are you comfortable with taking him in the top five
2: You know, I can see either argument here, but when we look at the tight ends going into this season, we have Mark Andrews, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, and that's the top three. And anything below that can change around. And it's very inconsistent. We have this conversation every single week of our show saying, what are the tight ends doing other than Kelsey? Uh, Okay, not much. So purely because of the production value of the tight end right now, I'm going to go with Kelsey in that spot. If I have that fifth round pick, but I can see the other way around because I really don't want to pass up, pass up a Bijan Robinson or another player. So I can't see other <clears> ways, but I think Kelsey just edges it out a little bit.
1: Yeah. I think it's worth noting. I mean, he would have been what, what wide receiver seven or eight yeah. last year just in total points. So, you know, you're not, you're not hosing yourself either way, but, but it's just, if you're interested in that positional, you know, dominance, then, then that's the move. If you feel like you can, you know, work it out, we always say, you know, Oh, I'll just, you know, if you miss on the top tight ends, I'll just go ahead and stream up. Well, you were joining like what, nine other teammates or league mates who are also going to be trying to stream those guys or whatever, you know, it's the streaming is easier said than done. uh, You know, I think for the most part. So, There's something to be said for having one of those early guys. Uh, You know, there's a handful I like in the middle tier too that I'm pretty happy with. Darren Waller, Dallas Goddard, you know, Evan Ingram, all those guys are fine for me as well. Uh, But but Kelsey is going to give you that win every week at the position.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can't argue with it at all. Just as the conservative voice the last time Travis Kelsey was being unanimously taken in the first round, Mark Andrews wound up being the tight end one just for that one year. I'm yep. just, just to throw that out yeah. there, but I, yeah, I can't, can't argue with it strongly. Uh, let's talk about Greg Dolchitz. We'll go to the back on the back end, on the other side of this thing, we're looking for tight ends in that tight end two range who maybe are those streaming options, or maybe are those sleeper drafting options. And he's one of those guys that comes to mind. Now, My problem is I'm not as big on Greg Dolchitz. I think I have him at tight end 617 right now at the moment is ADP about tight end 15, a little bit lower. And the reason why is because unless Russell Wilson recaptures what he was three years ago, if he comes in between, like we've talked about earlier on the show, There's a lot of mouths to feed with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. I think Tim Patrick's no slouch. You're going to have the running backs coming out of the backfield. I know Sean Payton's talked him up, used him in that joker position. He's had productive tight ends before, but I'm not ready for the second-year breakout on a tight end. I'm more about that third-year breakout on a tight end. I'm just not quite there on Greg Dolchich. But, Bob, what do you think? i'm not quite there
1: either but the code word has been thrown out there right we hear something you know sean payton said he's a joker Well, that i don't know what the hell that is but it sounds amazing (laughs) uh and and to be fair i did have talked to you know people in denver who think he looks amazing he's going to be exactly what sean payton wants that seam splitting talent that can you know create mismatches across the you know across the course of a game so um so I, the price is not exorbitant I do know people who are higher than him I wanted to say I'm in like in my pros versus or pros with Joe's league uh pros versus Joe's league it's like uh I want to say I I'm going seventh round uh right in the same range as some of the you know uh, right after David Njoku is I think where he went so uh so some people are, are higher on him. I don't have a lot of shares for the reasons you stated I'm not you know I'm not entirely sold and again you know if you're drafting tight ends, you know, later, and I'm like he's not usually going around seven, I think he's a fair, you know, it's fair to take shots on him. There's others I'm willing to take shots on as well.
0: Well, Danielle, I mean, let's put it this way uh, Cole Komet, Chig, Tyler Higby. Where does Dolch's fall on that? That Dalton, Dalton Kincaid, where does he fall on that tier for you?
2: Kind of, kind of lower. I mean, really, they're all kind of interchangeable when you think about it. Especially for that tight end two spot, where you just really need somebody because Kelsey has the bye week, or for some reason, if your tight end gets hurt. Um, so I think they are kind of interchangeable. And I had this really fun game last year where I decided for a while when my tight end got hurt, I had to choose which tight end was going to be in that week, and I did a whole carousel of tight ends, and I kind of went through all of those that you just stated. And um, I can easily say that um, I didn't have a standout winner. I think it really just depended on the week because one week one of them would get seven and the week next week they would get zero. So, you know, like it's very hard to predict for me. So I think you can kind of go in the little carousel there and just kind of pick from a hat which one you want to have as your tight end, too.
0: It, it's the plight of the low end tight end one, high end tight end two that you run into. And that, that's just that's that's the encapsulated that perfectly. Uh talk about those type of guys. Joe Everett is somebody I'm not very excited by. I have him at tight end 19. And the big reason is Quentin Johnston. Yes, there's reasons to get excited about Everett as a streaming option when Keenan Allen and Mike Williams will go down in the past because Everett would then have to take the next step up. But this goes back to you added Quentin Johnston. Well, I'm I'm very big on as far as what his abilities are, and you'll have Josh Paul. Palmer. Now I think there's not a scenario unless everybody gets hurt that ever becomes that default go-to option that he was at times last season. Is any, is he on your radar at all, Bob? I mean, is a tight end too? I mean, that's pretty much
1: it. Or, you know, even three and, you know, if you're playing the, uh, the, uh, best ball games and you're going that deep on guys, I, you know, the target share was great last year, but I think, you know, part of it was the reason you said, right. I think the, the, you know, what, what are you had the fifth most targets on the team last year? They have yeah, the fifth most this year, but I think a greater percentage will go to the guys. I mean, Williams and Allen were still ahead of them last year, despite missing the games. I think that number that that number that gap grows a little bit. So uh, that's the issue. You're you nailed it. Yeah, uh,
0: Everett Danielle on your radar?
2: Not really, unless my guy gets hurt and I'm looking for him there. <laughs>
0: Michael Mayer, somebody on my dynasty boards, but not in a redraft. And that's kind of what we're focusing on. So I'm just going to move right into our very last segments, our over-unders for this division. Walk in. in. It's a All right. So let's kick it off with Denver. Minus 110 over or under at 8.5 wins. That is. Bob, what do you got?
1: I'm not betting it but I'll take the under. I I hate taking the under. I don't, I'm not a I'm not an <laughs> under
0: person, but uh, I don't, I don't think they'll hit eight and a half. It's it's so not very exciting. Uh, I yeah, And then the line's good, by the way, because I actually yeah. have them at 8-9. So this kind of makes it a pain. So technically, I'm on the under, but uh, it doesn't feel very good. This is a bet I'll probably stay away from. Danielle, do you have a pick here?
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to go the under. I'm looking at their schedule right now, and um, they have to play some, some harsh competitors. So I don't know about this one.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. Hey, Kansas City. Plus 125 on the over minus 155 on the under. So it's almost not even a a good bet to make if you're going to bet the under, but 12 and a half wins. Do we think they get the 13, Bob? Yes. I tend to agree. Yeah. Especially with the value being plus 125 on the over. That's the bet I'm going to make. What about you, Danielle?
2: Yeah, I'm making that bet any days. I think I'm going to go with the over.
0: Here's one I thought was interesting. Minus 120 in the over plus 100 on the under when it comes to the Chargers at nine and a half. I have to take the over, even though I'm giving up a little bit on the odds. I definitely think this is a team that gets to 10 wins. Bob? Taking the over as well there. Yeah. Absolutely. Danielle?
2: I hope they can get to 10 wins, but I think I'm going to go with Ooh. the under.
0: All right. So our only lock so far has been Kansas City. What about the Raiders? Plus 110 on the over, minus 130 on the under at six and a half. Bob. I'll take the over there. I am also taking the over. I think they're going to be more. If Jimmy G stays healthy 15 games, I think it'd be more competitive than people are giving them credit for. Closer Daniel, to
1: 500 for sure.
0: Yeah. Danielle. Yes.
2: Uh, I think six and a half is kind of a brutal number to put them at. So I'm going to go with the over there. I hope
0: All they're right. paying attention. Yeah. yeah <laughs> pretty much. Right. I, I feel like going on. So Kansas city and the Raiders are our locks of the day. That does it for the show. Bob, thank you so much for coming on and taking the time. Let everyone know where you, they should be following you at. I mean, Everyone in the fantasy industry should be following you anyway, but just in case there's a few stragglers out there, and what do you got coming up you want people to check out?
1: Football Die Hard, where you find everything. Uh, at Football Die Hard on whatever they're calling it today. Um, and uh, otherwise, go to FootballDieHards.com. You can hear me on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio as well. Four days a
0: week, look for Football Die Use the on-demand. It's easier that way. Yeah. I love it. Simple and easy to find and a great follow at that. Uh, Danielle, you and I will be back on Thursday. I think Chris will be joining the show. He'll be back for that as well. We'll be doing a best ball mock draft, our last best ball mock draft of the season, because then we'll be just be diving full into redraft strategies for the rest of August. So that's what we got coming up at our normal time, 930 on Thursday on our YouTube channel. Make sure you download us on your favorite podcast app and everybody have a great summer.